Welcome to the Neville on Fire podcast. Neville Goddard was a 20th century spiritual teacher who offered a profound message. Your creative imagination is the very source of reality. As we learn to use it properly, life becomes intelligible and rewarding. Join your host, Ed, to explore our most valuable asset, the human imagination. Hello and welcome to our podcast launch. This is Neville on Fire. My name is Ed. Why Neville on Fire? Because at this stage of my life, I'm in my early 60s, I've discovered what I believe to be the most compelling, the most comprehensive, and the most uh, profound philosophy of life that I've ever encountered. And I've studied quite a bit uh, along the lines of spiritual and psychological schools of thought. So what I want to do in this first episode is to explain my motive in creating this podcast series and state an important disclaimer. Second, uh, I'll give you an outline of the basic concepts of Neville Goddard's teaching, if you haven't heard uh, of him before, and I'll state why I think it's worthwhile. And third, I'll explain elements of the podcast episodes that I intend to create. Finally, in the second half of our first episode today, I'll address a core concept in practice, which is awareness of being. So with regard to my motive, uh, my motive in creating this podcast series is something in the nature of an experiment. Um, I want to see whether it's possible to organize and present in some sort of ordered way a subject uh, that is so vast and difficult, and in doing so, to see, quite frankly, whether I'm able to help myself. Uh, I do have a selfish motive in that I want to better establish within myself a better understanding of this material. Now, if another person, the listener, finds it helpful, um, they might find it useful to hear a record of my own journey down this path. And if that's the case, that's great. Uh, So in creating this record uh, of my own understanding, it's um, something that really comes naturally to me in one sense. What I mean is uh, I've experimented in the world of business and having had some success, then I felt able to codify my methods in books and online courses and so on. But in another sense, it doesn't come naturally with this topic because here we're dealing with uh, transcendental matters. We're dealing with psychological states, spiritual truth, and this is all a matter of self-persuasion or revelation. So while it might be gratifying if someone else finds this material helpful, I'm convinced that really each person's truth is an individual path of discovery Despite the universal principles that might bind us together, no truth can be imposed from without. It has to be discovered from within. So with that said, I'll go ahead on the premise that it's somehow useful to try to persuade and convince whether myself or other people of the value, uh, core ideas, uh, methods, and experiences all connected with the teaching of Neville Goddard. So before we get started in earnest, I have to state a disclaimer, and I've had enough life experience dealing directly with this sort of thing to, uh, to, to know that it's necessary. I think it's only responsible to do this. Um, the subject matter that we're dealing with is not light entertainment. It's going to be uh, touching on one's psychological state, and therefore, please listen closely, the listener must take full responsibility for maintaining stability, for maintaining um, a state of being grounded, and for seeking professional help if that is ever uh, necessary to deal with any psychological difficulty that may come up, such as trauma or something of that nature. So I don't claim to to give advice on those matters, and therefore it's the responsibility uh, of the listener 
to maintain mental poise and stability. And that's not to instill fear. It's simply a matter of the listener acknowledging that personal responsibility is called for. With that said, I'll go ahead with uh, core concepts and principles that are contained within Neville Goddard's teaching. Now, if you're not familiar with Neville Goddard's work already, then I can offer uh, at least sort of an introduction to one or two main concepts that I find the most compelling and which, uh, from which I think everything else is derived in his teaching. I think the central idea is Neville's instruction as to our nature and identity. Our nature and identity are distinctly different from what we usually learn through the most powerful main influences in life. Uh, that is, the, the institutions that we're all sort of connected with, education and so on, uh, even the family. Um, and Neville's concept is certainly distinctly different from the viewpoint of materialist science. And it's also distinct from conventional re- the conventional religious view uh, that God or the Creator is an entity outside of oneself. Now, according to Neville's view, our nature and identity is bound up with, it's, it is one with, the creative principle itself, with God. That's how vital and essential our being is. It's actually the very creative principle itself. Well, right at the outset, this to many people will be outrageous and even blasphemous. So, I mean, for persons who have what could be called a conventional religious outlook, um, for example, a friend of mine um, says this teaching that any teaching that exalts self is, quote, sin and a lie from Satan. Well, Neville's teaching does exalt the self, uh, but the question is, which self does it exalt? The surface-level ego or what is referred to in Scripture as the second man? Now, obviously, when Neville locates God within us, he doesn't refer to the naive and superficial part of our being, but to the depths, to the sleeping potential, uh, meant eventually to awaken. Now, a sincere application of Neville's teaching puts the lower self, the ego or the false personality, through harsh trials uh, of facing self-revealed truths, truths about what? About oneself. Now, a good explanation of that process is given in a lecture by Neville himself. It's called Fundamentals, and I put a link in the show notes to that. It will be familiar to anyone who's looked into C.G. Jung and the process of bringing the dark side of one's nature uh, to light, to consciousness. Neville's teaching is going to be egotistical and misguided also to anyone whose religion, so to speak, is a complete faith in materialist science. Now, as a side remark, uh, much of what we call science and the scientific method have been shown to be most unscientific and quite dogmatic. Um, uh, I got three references to this effect. One is uh, the structure of scientific revolutions. That's fairly well known by Thomas Kuhn. He's the one who coined the expression a paradigm shift. Another interesting book, uh, less less well known, I think, is called Scientific Literacy and the Myth of the Scientific Method. Very interesting. By Henry Bauer. And another one that comes to mind is Science is a Sacred Cow by Anthony Standen. So I put the citations for those three in the show notes. Now, finally, on the topic of acceptance or rejection of Neville's view, um, I think it will likely be rejected by people who are not uh, particularly religious or scientific, but who are simply conditioned by various institutions of our society, whether they be uh, educational, financial, academic, and so on. So I think what I'm going to do is uh, an episode that is devoted to that specific topic. Who can say 
at the end of the day, what frame of mind is needed even to consider Neville's thesis? Uh, having thought about the matter for some time, I, I, I can suggest four conditions of mind, frame of mind, that might be needed. Such a frame of mind, number one, uh, has been seeking, a person who has been seeking. Number two, someone who sees the reality of a creator as obvious, as a given. Number three, uh, someone who acknowledges the abuse that has been perpetrated by institutions uh, of all types, religious and otherwise, and so, as a result, has some degree of mental freedom from them. And then, number four, crucially, has objective self-awareness or awareness of being, which I'm going to address a little bit later on. So what follows on the initial concept uh, of Neville's, that our uh, nature and identity is bound up with that of God, is um, a series of instructions and practices that give you an idea for the conduct of life. Now, I really wish that I had met this at an earlier stage in my life, and when I complained about this to my friends, they say, well, maybe you weren't ready to receive the information at that time. So maybe they're right. But... Um, in any case, the instructions for the conduct of life uh, given or implied in Neville's teaching are quite valuable. Now, I think this part of the teaching is much less controversial because um, the advice has to do with uh, clarity in one's goals, mental experimentation that harms no one, and it's all grounded in the golden rule. Neville's teaching is oriented to an ultimate purpose. It answers questions that we might come to ask when we're contemplating metaphysical or uh, existential dilemmas, the nature of our ourselves, um, our existence on this planet, what the world at large and the universe is actually all about. All of these questions have plagued me for years, and if you're like me and you've been focusing on what the why, the reason is for all of this, then... Uh, I can suggest that Neville's teaching does answer quite conclusively um, and clearly um, uh, uh, an answer to that to that whole riddle. So my final remark, um, as I summarize here, the, the main concepts in his teaching is to say that as I delve deeper into Neville's ideas, I find the rationale for them very compelling and inspiring, and they have a high degree of explanatory power. There doesn't seem to be any contradiction in them. There's, uh, there is still a mystery, obviously, but there doesn't seem to be any glaring contradiction or flaw in the whole system of thought that Neville presents. Now, despite the fact that it has that kind of uh, sophistication and, and complete, uh, completeness, it does address each person, the individual, exactly where they are in the moment. It's, so it's practical, it's accessible by experimentation, and yet it's not superficial. So um, it leads to possibly the most profound change or reversal of mind that is conceivable. It is indeed a path to enlightenment. And so that is my summary of my rationale, my passion for my uh, Neville on Fire attitude. So this leads me to explain what you can expect in the series of podcast episodes to follow on this one. I'm going to be touching on core concepts or principles that underlie Neville's teaching. And these will come up from time to time. And the second element is methods or techniques, which I will try to include in each episode. The third element is special topics. Now, in other words, we're going to go into depth on specific aspects of the teaching or even aspects that are peripheral to the teaching but are still necessary to explore. 
I already mentioned, for example, uh, the detrimental effects of institutions. That's one example. Um, another example could be applying techniques to reach a deeper understanding to uh, improve relationships, applying Neville's techniques to improve, let's say, our material and financial conditions, or even to establish thriving and prosperous businesses, or even to affect broader societal change. Neville sees in all these goals the march of human desire towards ever higher and nobler purposes. So he doesn't judge the um, quality or nature of desire. He simply accepts them as they come along. And finally, uh, I will list in each episode the links and the resources that you can use. So in today's show notes, for example, you'll find a link to the audio recordings and text presentations of Neville's work by Barry Peterson, who I think gives one of the best narrations I've ever heard. He's, his timbre, his tone of voice, his pacing are all just perfect. And uh, a whole series of Neville's writings are posted on his site. Uh, they're all free, at least in, in that portion of his, uh, his online offering. So to summarize what I've given you so far today, we covered the purpose of this whole podcast series and what I'm trying to accomplish in terms of a documentation of my path. I included a, an important disclaimer, placing the responsibility for mental poise with the listener. I discussed the uh, central concept in Neville's teaching having to do with our own divine nature and identity. And finally, I described the elements that I hope to include in future episodes. So with all that done, uh, what I want to do now is turn my attention to awareness of being. And this is the, uh, the core concept in Neville's teaching that is fundamental to understanding really everything that he talks about. We can call it awareness of being. It falls under the heading of sort of basic precepts that underlie the whole teaching. And it has to do with um, what we can call self-consciousness or self-remembering. Self-remembering is the term that was promulgated by the Fourth Way School of Thought. Now, the reason I bring this up and I want to emphasize it in this first episode is because I've seen where people sort of take for granted the idea of consciousness by a sort of misuse of the language that is common. In other words, the everyday use of the word consciousness does not give you the proper meaning, an actual practice of self-consciousness, self-awareness, or awareness of being. People, including psychologists and other scientists, uh, throw around the word consciousness without personally experiencing exactly what it means. Now, that's not arrogance on my part. That's a distinct fact, uh, a psychological fact that was ascertained and explained at length in the Fourth Way School of Thought. For all the shortcomings that we might find in the fourth way, it would be hard to find, really, a more incisive and coldly accurate assessment of the human condition. Now, the main reference is uh, the, a book called In Search of the Miraculous by P.D. Ospensky. The whole study serves, in my view, as a preparation for the discipline of mind and the creatively positive orientation that we find in Neville Goddard's work. Now, incidentally, it's clear uh, in the fundamentals lecture that I uh, mentioned earlier, for example, that Neville read The Fourth Way. Uh, he borrowed some of its term terminology, and I believe he appreciated the writings of one of its uh, main exponents. That's Morris Nichol, uh, who was a British psychologist who originally studied with C.G. Jung. So back to this point about the word consciousness and the concept of it. When people use the word consciousness, they normally refer to the state of mind 
that is the most common mental activity among human beings during the normal waking state, during the the normal waking period of the day. And that distinctly is not consciousness. It is actually subconscious. It's almost purely subconscious. Moments of true self-awareness and awareness of being are ephemeral and perhaps only accidental. Now, I really think there is something to the message uh, in many esoteric schools uh, where they say that this kind of information only comes to you by direct instruction. The crucial thing to understand is that awareness of being is not thought. It, is do- it does not consist of words or concepts or feelings. It's the faculty of mind that is able to witness the entire contents of the psyche in a given moment. You might find useful a PDF that I'm going to have posted in the show notes. It's a set of quotes from an author who is rather obscure. His name is Dr. Rolf Alexander. He was connected briefly with the Fourth Way, but he studied in Tibet in the early part of the 20th century, long before it was fashionable to go into Eastern mysticism and then bring that to the West. He fully understood the whole concept of awareness of being, self-remembering, self-consciousness in the moment. And this is the way I learned it when uh, this exercise of his was read to me. So I'm going to pass it along to you. It consists of a couple of pages, and I'll give you the reference. So please check that out in the show notes. Now, you could be asking, well, doesn't Neville himself cover awareness of being and explain it? And he he does. He talks about uh, the name of God as given in Scripture as I am. And he also goes into the detail of what experiencing I am is all about. And yet, I should say that the references to it uh, by Neville are somewhat fragmented. So it's difficult to get a full explanation in one place. I think it's necessary to understand uh, exactly what the I am is all about. It's not merely saying the words I am. Saying the words is sort of a pointer to the experience, but it's not the experience itself. Now here I'll give you a direct quote from the exercise that I was talking about. So the author is Dr. Rolf Alexander, and he says, quote, At first you may be able to hold the consciousness together for only a minute or two before it breaks apart again like a ball of quicksilver and rejoins the subconscious. If you consistently practice this exercise in self-awareness on every possible occasion, however, a permanent integration of the consciousness will result and you'll be able to remain in a state of self-awareness for as long as you wish to do so. Remember, consciousness itself is wordless. The moment words are thought of, consciousness disappears. Words are subconscious symbols, but consciousness is an extremely alert state of vivid awareness and it has nothing to do with words. Close quote. So you can see that this is a distinctly different state of mind from the normal waking state of the average person. It's something that has to be learned, and it has to be practiced most diligently. Now, I'm convinced that it's uh, the foundation of Neville's teaching. It's the very same thing as the I am that he talks about. And if you don't learn it, then the risk is that uh, when you're contemplating what consciousness really is, you run the risk of being subject to automatic uh, mechanical associations in the mind, and that's the problem. The practice of self-remembering or the pure awareness of being is, I think you'll find, a healthy practice. It helps you to escape from any particular state that is undesirable that you might be experiencing in a given moment. And so it helps you to transition to a place of equanimity and then to select, as Neville recommends, a state that does accord with your goal. 
if you're already well-versed in meditation or Buddhist practice, I mean non-identification, then you already understand this concept. So this brings to a close our first episode. I've listed all the works I mentioned in the show notes, and I appreciate your listening. I hope you find value in the content and in the subsequent episodes. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. Remember to check the show notes and subscribe to the Neville on Fire podcast. 